we are live. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the vlogcast. Vlogcast comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. This vlogcast started as a combination of spite and the Streisand effect, because truth be told, right now, tonight, I, I really don't even know. I'm, I'm not in a really great mood, and, and I actually gave serious consideration to just calling off tonight because I just... Bleh. But you know what? What's the old thing? The show must go on. So I'm stuck here doing with you or you're trapped in here with me. Something along those lines. I don't care. Part of this is follow through with the old adage that sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm known as Shujin Tribble. You can find me pretty much everywhere under that name. S-H-U-J-I-N. Hi. Yeah, it, it is true. I, I, I told Bridget before we got started that, you know, I'm not feeling that great, but you know, it, it is what it is. So we'll go on. Speaking of which, from the Midwest of the U.S., Bridget Finch. I said it right again. This is, this is yeah, a running. I'm so proud of you. I'm, yeah, that's a that's a low bar right there. But you know what? I'll <laughs> take evening. it. I'll take it. And from past the water and back onto dry land, Joseph. Good morning. Morning. You are now, if memory serves, you said you were going to be back in Paris at this point, correct? Oh, I am back in Paris, yeah. Okay. I was trying to remember. I, I didn't remember if you were still back at the castle or if you said that you were going back. That's that's where my brain is right now. It's kind of mushy. So. I was there last weekend. Yes. I uh, came back Monday and then straight to work Tuesday. And uh, yeah, I've spent the entire weekend sleeping. Practically recuperating from last week and last weekend. <laughs> so that's fair enough. Cool. So, of course, everybody, it's good to be back with you, regardless of what it sounds like for me. Yes, I, I am always glad to be back. And I'll, I'll kind of explain a little piece about that in a second. If you'd like to join us live as we record, of course, feel free to join us over there on YouTube. You can be part of the live chat because that's what we don't pay you for, which means Stephanie, hi, you made it. Yeah. Stephanie had been in contact with me earlier and it was, there was a question of whether Steph would be able to make it. So good to have you. Uh, if memory serves, I think Felis is, um, off gallivanting about and, and camping and whatnot, uh, driving cars up the sides of loose dirt hills or something. Um, not quite sure, but you know what? It's all good. Uh, and uh, just to just to cover all bases, part of the reason why I'm a little um, a, a little down this week, I think, is because this is the well the beginning of this week. I started my online DJ uh, season again because you know it's, I start in September and then I run until you know uh, early early July. And uh, I just came off of my summer sabbatical, so I'm back at it. Season fourteen. Get that? I've been, I've been, I've been doing, I've been doing music sets for for fourteen seasons now. It's that's a lot of music that I got, and and uh, a a lot of time I put into it. And to give people an idea as to how much music I have. At the beginning of every season, I do a 
text dump of the directory structure of my music hard drive drives, I should say, since they're they're mirrored on my server. The reminding you there's a text document. The readout this season right now is two and a half megs of ASCII text. That's just the directory structure. So I put it out there so that if anybody decides that they actually want to go searching through my collection and see what I've gotten intentionally asked for, or otherwise ask for something I don't have, they, they have the opportunity of doing that. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a rather large collection. And as somebody who would probably be able to figure out just exactly how much of a text document that is being able to be fashionably late. You better be wearing a black bow tie at this point on Renault tech. You made it. Hi. I'm wearing a black shirt and I'm drinking black coffee from a black cup. <laughs> we'll call it even. That's, that's perfectly fine. Speaking of which drink wise, I, I got something. I don't think that I've actually tried. I have Molson Canadian lager. I don't think I've actually tried this. Molson's is... It's okay. Not my thing. Yeah, but you know me. I, I try... Oh, two servings per container. Yeah, you go ahead and chug that. Um... No. No, probably not. You know how there are typically these uh, these um, drink responsibly uh, warnings on the sides of cans? I'm not going to go looking to find out where this one was uh, specifically made, because the warning on it says, celebrate responsibly. I'm just going to go ahead and say that's probably manufactured in Canada or at the very least printed in Canada. Because, I mean, come on, here in the States, it would be drink responsibly, celebrate responsibly. That's that's much, much more uh, a Canadianism, I would think. So what's it look like? Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> Um, this is very much, uh, okay. This is very, what's the word that I'm looking for? Zima-esque. Yeah. Except it's yellowed. Yeah. This is, this is, this is probably, you know what? I'm going to say it. If you are, <laughs> if you are hydrating responsibly, this is what it should look like. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna leave it there. Yeah. I mean, mine's a little lighter. I'm just saying, but I drink a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I guess. Oh no! It smells like it's just beer. That yeah. can't be good. No, come on, really? It's beer. Well, that just sucks, really.
all right, you know what? Whatever. It's 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 going to be what it's going to be. They can't all be winners, and they fortunately can't all taste like they're made out of grapefruit juice. So that's a plus. I'm going to go with that. All right, we'll see how it goes. Anywho, what are you what are you what are you what are you posting over there, Tech? What is that? We were talking about taking a text dump. Uh huh. I recognize the actor and ha- how the the hair. It's from on- the movie Dumb and Dumber. Ah, uh, okay. Never saw it, so anybody who's watched that movie instantly knows what scene I'm talking about at this point. I have not watched the movie. Neither have I. You know, it's probably better that way for me. We'll leave it go. How about I get things rolling and then uh, we we'll, we'll get to uh, we we'll get to the horrible scopes because. The horrible scopes are thematic, and there's a reason for it, although I, I'm not going to explain it until we get there. So, you guys go ahead and get yourselves ready. I'm going to I'm gonna pretend I didn't drink that, and we'll kind of work it from there. So, I'll get you started. So, five minutes on the clock. Your five-minute freestyle starts now. Music. There are a lot of things that people will think of as soon as somebody uses the word. I'm actually, I keep wanting to invite a a professional musician on the show to uh, kind of talk with us about that specific. And I'm going to have to really just knuckle my way down and and actually ask him again. I'm specifically thinking of George Robb. It's been a long time since the last time I spoke with him. Uh, He was, he was nice. He came on, uh, he came on my music show, and uh, we had a we had a good talk. What was originally supposed to be like a, a twenty minute talk turned into you know almost an hour, because you know music is an art. And I know that there there's some people that are you know straight away they're just like well uh, Captain Obvious where's your cape? Music is an art, painting is an art. Script writing, storytelling, it's an art. Food is an art. It's something that's creative. It's something that has to be manufactured. Woodworking is an art. Leather crafting is an art. Staining either wood or leather is an art. These things are a product of their times. There are certain things that can be done in that day and age, in that time, that can't exactly be replicated either before or after. There are certain things that you know about, and there are certain things that you can't know about. For instance, we know now that there is such a thing in, well, you're, you're going to think this is disgusting, in leatherworking as brain tanning. Used to be the way that they would do. They would actually boil the skins, the hides, with the animal's brain. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of deer, in order to get it ready for use. Music is kind of special. It's not just 
a creative process. But it can also be very much a reflection of what's happening in the day and time that it's made. There are certain songs that we don't even think about them until somebody points out, hey, you really need to actually like pay attention to what's being said in order to figure out that that party anthem was actually a, a critique of the excesses and the crap that was going on at the time. The we're not going to take it being used by people who don't realize the song was specifically targeting that type of people as a protest. Songs that are otherwise seemingly uplifting to groups are actually a protest of how life was. Music, songs, reflect what's happening in the time. And they have helped us societally around the globe to mature, to understand the plights of others. Maybe it takes some time. Maybe it needs to be kind of caught under the social consciousness for a little while, but eventually it does. Songs have explained to us just how horrible certain events were. There was a song in the 80s called 19. It was a protest about the Vietnam War, that the average age of the, and I'm going to use the expression, kids who died, was 19. We're not going to take it being used by conservatives when the song was directly against their ideologies. The best part of it all is when the people who have made these songs come out and actually lambast these idiots and remind them, I'm half Jew, New Yorker, educated, spoke in front of the government and told them that what they wanted to do was wrong in the PMRC. I wrote the damn song. You don't have my permission to use it because I was singing against you. D. Snyder, as a fellow Long Islander, well fucking done, man. Well done. This is episode 422 on the docket, Your Honor. Team Charles or Team Brotherhood? Now, before we got started, uh, Bridget was a little concerned because don't really know much about the X-Men and such. Don't worry. We're not going to be delving deep into uh, comic book nerdism, but we will be able to bring everybody up to speed of what's necessary momentarily. And yeah, it's amazing what you can learn from science fiction in whatever form it takes. In this case, specifically with the comics. 
Um, and Stephanie was commenting, I remember 19 and how bad it made me feel. Um, oh, I remember it too. Yeah. Uh, just to be on the safe side, uh, would one of you be so kind to, um, jot over in, uh, over in our chat that I need to, uh, link, uh, the song so that I can, uh, make sure it's in the show notes for everybody later. I appreciate sure. that. Otherwise we can at least get to the horrible scopes and, um, we can have a little bit of fun with this one. So let's do that. So for those of you that know we're astrological sign, cool. Those of you that don't, it's really not going to make too much of a difference, uh, except that, you know, you need to listen for whichever one it is. Now, this week, the Horrible Scopes were inspired by one of the greatest new wave punk dance rock bands of the late 20th century, ZZ Top. Or more specifically, the car that was on the Eliminator album, a 1933 Ford Coupe, otherwise referred to as the ZZ Mobile. The funny part about it, by the way, that I found out is after that, uh, after that run of videos with it that car was basically retired and put on display at one of the hard rock cafes i think i think in ohio if i remember correctly and uh i think it's billy i forget which one of the guys it was in the band but um it said that every once in a while if he's out in the area he will take the car out for a spin just because he can't exists. So I love that. So as I was writing the horrible scopes, I normally put my uh, I put my music collection on full shuffle, and the Eliminator album was the first album art that came up. So this week, everything has got to do with cars. So let's who let's see who you get pitted against, Aries. You're getting matched up with the inglorious vehicle that was called. A mailbox on wheels. In Europe, it was the Zastava Coral, otherwise known in North America as the Yugo. Yes, it was built in Yugoslavia, but it started its life being designed in Italy for Fiat. And just like the Yugo of old, and there are very few old Yugos. Just because you aren't doing well now doesn't mean you don't have a history to be proud of. This week, learn to speak in sign language. Not Italian sign language. Horace, you're older than people think, but still got plenty of pep in you if you're given a little extra work. In 1984's Ghostbusters, Ecto-1 was 25 years old, and you looked better at that age. All you'll need to get spruced up are knee replacements, hangnail removal, a pedicure, hot oil massage, new glasses, gastric bypass, tush implants, maybe a new diet, also vocal lessons, a little psychological counseling, and you'll be right as rain. Yeah, just as much work as Ecto-1 needed. More or less. Well, I should have played. Do you want Joe to go before me or after me? No, you, you go ahead. Joe and I, when we say Smokey and the Bandit, 
you probably think of the 1976 Pontiac Trans Am and its gold Firebird painted on the front. But you know who was more important? The Snowman and Fred in their Kenworth W900A short frame semi barreling down a road, smashing that last four miles of an 1800 mile trip like an absolute legend. And just like Bandit 2, this week you'll be finishing every project at the last minute in class. Arriva. Uh, where are we? Cancer. <laughs> Cancer Moonchild. Yeah, Cancer Moonchild. <clears throat> Speaking of tractor trailers, what's the most iconic trailer tractor trailer you can think of? That's right, Optimus freaking Prime. In the 1980s, he was a Freightliner FL86, but in the 2000 live-action movie, he had changed into a Peterbilt 379. Now, a year earlier, in the movie Cars, Lightning calls out for Mac, but he mistakes Jerry for his ride. Jerry is a Peterbilt 352. So is Jerry the ancestor of Optimus Prime? Oh, right, your scope. Um, watch older movies. Yeah, it, it's, it, it's funny to me to think that maybe the Cars universe and the Transformers universe might have a cross... One of these days, Disney's going to own everything, so it's not going to matter. Leo, the only way the 1948 Ford Deluxe convertible from Greece could fly was either in a dream sequence or off a cliff. And considering it was refurbished by a bunch of high school gearheads in their school's automotive shop class, I think we know which one is more likely. This week, let loose all your inhibitions when you dream and fly that car into the skies. You'll be, it'll be your one true escape from the rest of the crap going on around you. Yeah, we keep forgetting that Greece was set and seniors in high school. Just, no. Still one of my favorite movies. Well, I mean, how, how could you go wrong with, you know, Olivia Newton-John in spandex pants. I wasn't looking at her spandex pants. Well. <laughs> launched in 1976, the lightest Esprit S1 wasn't much of a splash. Until it was driven underwater by James Bond in The Spy Who Loved Me. And just like the Esprit, you won't show off how good you are until you're shoved, unwillingly, underwater. In other words, take a shower this weekend. Sorry, I forgot to unmute the mic. <laughs> Libra. Semi-sentient. Capable of driving itself. With a love of playing practical jokes. Skipping across the water. And armed with super speed shooting oil, your car with California license plate Oscar Foxtrot Papa 857 wasn't a racer, but it beat every car it was pitted against. This week, check your biases. Because we're referring to Herbie the Love Bug and not the Night Industries 2000. 
Scorpio. You're being paired with, arguably, the singularly most iconic of iconic vehicles, the 1955 Ford Lincoln Futura, otherwise known to millions upon millions as the Batmobile. Sadly, you're not nearly as easy to remember, but let's be fair, compared to the car, who is? This week your memory is going to be sketchy, so start putting labels on anything and everything you can you think might be important. Things like the atomic reactor pile in the back cave. Yeah, the back cave had a nuclear reactor in it, meaning if the penguin had grabbed a Geiger counter, it would have been game over. Kind of like how Lex Luthor followed Superman in 1980's Superman 2. It's true. It's true. I, I like, never remember about that, but yeah, they had a freaking nuclear reactor in 1966 underground. Sagittarius, just to piss off Scorpio, you're getting paired with the other Batmobile, the Tumbler. Just like that car, you're not as flashy or as visible, or as tricked out with signage, but you are dark, got an unmistakable growl just before you pounce, and my God, you can bite through someone that's in your way. This week, embrace your moods and enjoy the nightlife on your own terms. And yes, capes after 8 p.m. is a fashion do. Recording. Back in the day, the DeLorean DMC-12 from Back to the Future already had a checkered image. John DeLorean was charged with cocaine trafficking to earn some money for his failing company, but was found not guilty. Hence the joke, why should you never drive behind a DeLorean? Because it keeps inhaling the white lines in the middle of the road. This week, you're going to be dealing with someone making bad comments about you. Start thinking of disarming jokes now. I'm not the only one that still remembers that joke, right? Oh my god, I'm the only one that actually remembered that joke? I knew somebody who drove a DeLorean. Alrighty. I do know that if you want to disarm somebody, just removing their arms works. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying, some people are, you know, they overreact. Look, you remove somebody's eyelids and nobody bats an eye, right? But if you cut somebody's head off, everybody loses their mind. It's all fun and games until somebody loses an eyeball. Then it's a scavenger hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Aquarius, your mood is going to suck this week. For that reason alone, you're head to bumper with the 1958 Plymouth Fury known as Christine. Or was it the Belvedere? Or the Savoy? Truth is, it was all of them. And just like that, your mood is going to be all over the road. The best you can do to mitigate it is get sleep good meals, and for Christ's sake, stop being a stalker. It's over. Mm, um, Pisces. You aren't 
You aren't the most famous one in the list, but you're personally memorable for those that ever interacted with you. Just like the 1966 Ford Mustang Coupe with its front and rear triangle windows, T-stick transmission shifter, and desire to just gallop on the highway, you'll have people wanting to try to keep pace with you just to watch you work. Cool people don't look back at explosions, and cooler people ignore the fans. Your disinterest will make you more attractive. And those are your horrible scopes for this week. If you like what you got, maybe you've been inhaling uh, leaded gas too much. You know, all those days of siphoning gas back in the day. Yeah, swallowing gasoline, that's not really healthy for you. So you might want to stop doing that. But if you want to bribe me to influence what's used, you can just get in touch with me. It's easy to bribe me. You just ask. But I'll have these posted online at... uh, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Discord, at the end of the week when I get working on the next set. And with any luck, they'll be, um, adequate. I mean, they're always fun. I haven't recycled, well, no, that I was going to say, I've, I haven't recycled, um, any horrible scopes, but no, that, that's not true. I actually did do that as a running joke for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's, that's kind of the way that it was. So before we uh, before we go ahead and completely move past all this, um, did anybody have a favorite uh, car in the group? Because uh, I I I happen to absolutely love uh, the Lincoln Futura for how absolutely over the top, um, like utterly useless it is, except for being just a a, a go out touring car in good weather. Well, I'm very disappointed in one that you did not put in there. Which would be? A 67 Mustang. I'm trying to think of um, where the 67 Mustang was used. I have no idea, but it was a cool car. Well, I... (laughs) No arguments. It's just a matter of that I I was specifically looking for stuff from lists where it was. These are the most the cool badass cars of of you know TV and movies and yeah yeah yeah. A lot of the same ones kept popping up. The Esprit kept popping up. Um, Ecto One kept popping up. Uh, the car from Mad Max popped up a couple of times. The Red Tomato from um, Starsky and Hutch that popped up at one point, and I'm just like. But no. a Yugo, come on. The Yugo is known. So it's the 67 Mustang, so what's your point? <laughs> He's going to spank me after the show. No, that costs extra. You know... I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be smart, and I'm just gonna let that go right by me right now. He's not falling for the bait. Darn. Actually, I can get away with saying this because only the two of us will understand. Only in my dreams. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see, Stephanie, it said uh, there's a greater called Christine. 
because she was so hard to repair. Look up the Diesel Creek channel. Um, I'm not sure what a grader is in this case. I'm, I'm guessing that might be a surface re, uh, refinisher for roadways for that's technically asphalt, isn't it? That I'm thinking of. I don't remember what they use, you know, whatever. Anyhow, let's go ahead and get on with these because just because so the x-men you don't necessarily need to know very much about the x-men because here's here's the important part the x-men comics started in the 60s early 60s and early to mid and with so many good science fiction stories the social aspect of it pretty well flew under the radar for most people and unfortunately has continued in that very same respect for a very long time. The overall for the X-Men was it was supposed to be an allegory for civil rights. It could have been for people of color. could have been for uh, some people have suggested that it was more specifically for the civil rights and social acceptance for the LGBTQIA plus community. But when all is said and done, it was for the, the social awareness of these people are different. They specifically either look different or have different ways about them, but they are different. They are different from quote unquote standard humanity. Yeah. Us versus them mentality. And the oh, difference, oh, kind of like the, Republicans. the difference now between the two factions, the X-Men led by Professor X, otherwise Charles Xavier. Charles was an analog for Martin Luther King Jr. The idea that with, for, I'm, I'm overstating it just a little bit, but peace, love and understanding we can come to a way of acceptance with without needing to resort to violence and bloodshed. It's basically what it comes down to. Versus Magneto. One of his aliases over the years has been Eric Lesner. Lensher, sorry. And uh, portrayed uh, immaculately, might I add, by uh Ian McClellan. And uh he he and um Sir Patrick Stewart j- uh, the the two of those gentlemen together are just uh <laughs> off screen the two of them are just a love to to see them together. They 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 absolutely adore each other. However, Magneto was the leader for the Brotherhood of Mutants. And his methodology was effectively peace through superior firepower. Peace by any means necessary. And he was effectively an analog for Malcolm X. So, the problem, as I've seen it, is that 
these fights started before I was born. And reminding you, I was born in 1969. These fights have been going on for easily a generation before me. And we've had the X-Men comic book set from Marvel Comics for a very long time. And, you know, it, it's been, what, 50, 60 years since that came on the scene to try to push people to better understand. So I guess the question becomes for me, how long is long enough? How long should it take for social awareness and, and social norms to finally change where peace through understanding has exhausted its methodology and peace through any means necessary becomes the way that it has to be. And to put this into other perspectives, there are other ways of thinking about this, not the least of which would be the Irish Liberation Army. There had been attempts at trying to get things to be nicer through less violent means, but after a while, how did Malcolm, uh, sorry, how did um, Martin put it? Violence is the voice of those that you will not listen to. I'm butchering the quote, but the sentiment is still the same. So the LGBTQ plus community, the people of color, the social outs, you know, there, there has been such a change, such a difference over the, over the decades. And in some ways it's getting better. In some ways it's just still just, why hasn't this been fixed? And in some cases, regression. And I really, really just don't like that. So, so that's what, that's what came to my mind for this week, trying to think of what to talk about. And is there going to be a religious aspect to all this? I believe the expression from the sixties was, you're going to bet your bippy. That expression probably predates the 60s, but, you know, whatever. I know it. it. Well, we know it, but when the hell was the last time we heard it, other than on uh, uh, a laughing reruns? You know? say it. Well, your parents were older than us, so, you know, there you go. Well, yeah, that would have to be. It's true. So let's start off with the easy way. So far as the X-Men are concerned, as just a name brand of, of stuff and whatnot, obviously I'm not the only one that remembers anything about them. I'm, I'm assuming that there's at least some social awareness of, if nothing else, the movie set. Yeah, guys? Yeah, I'm familiar with the X-Men comics. Good Lord, you really are tired tonight, aren't you? I was on the road for... Give or take. That'll, that'll make you tired. That'll do it. Okay. I, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a pass on this one. Um, 
But yeah, I'm familiar with the, the comics and the cartoon series that was popular in the 90s and such. A badass um, intro for that, little, wasn't it? Damn good music, yeah. That was <laughs> truly what got me into it more than anything. Um, the movies, of course, you know, what's canon, what's not canon, all those arguments. And it doesn't really matter unless you prefer one of the timelines versus another. I mean, there are people who look at House of X, Power of X stuff that's some of the later stuff and go, Oh no, that doesn't blah, blah, blah. blah. It's like, dude, it, it, it's, it's not, don't forget. Marvel had different earths. There were thousands and thousands of earths in the, Mar- in the various Marvel multiverse, mm-hmm. um, until everything collapsed. So, you know, as long as it's pre collapse, anything was possible. You had an prof- you had a professor X who, uh, ended up dying, and Magneto led the mutants, and they they followed him willingly, Cyclops included. Yep, he took over in Charles' place. I remember that part. Yeah, I remember people like jeering at. Uh, uh, there was a whole there was a whole comic book event for that at a mall that I was. You know, I remember going to the mall, um, at a mall that I was uh, at uh, for the new comics, and people were booing the guy dressed up as Cyclops. And I was actually like, I don't know, you know, Cyclops actually being uninhibited with that laser blast and actually like taking out some evil assholes. Well, let's do it. I mean, let's be real here. There is a reason why I like the Powerpuff Girls. The bad guys could give up. They still kick the crap out of them. I love Powerpuff Girls. Never seen it. I haven't watched any of the new stuff. I'm talking about the old original Powerpuff yeah. Girls. They were cute. They were ha ha ha. And they beat the crap out of the bad guy, even if the bad guy surrendered. Why? Because it was the bad guy. They did bad things and they were needed to get punished for it. I'm a fan. You know what? Honestly, I'm a fan of the Punisher. I'm not a fan of the police cars putting the Punisher logo on there and trying to turn it into a Blue Lives Matter crap. I'm sorry, but making a vigilante and then working for law enforcement and trying to say, hey, you know, law enforcement's like this vigilante. It's like, no, 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 no. You're screwing up that message right there. And more importantly, they don't understand what the Punisher was doing. If they they can do that. Yeah. So... Um, and it's actually DC Comics, not Marvel. So it, it, anyway, still, um, it the, the point is still there. the The point is, is that I'm I'm not pro Magneto, anti Professor X, and or vice versa. I'm pro the two of them working jointly together. Um, and depending on which Earth of which timeline before the collapse of the multiverse um, or you know you look at House of X and Power of X where they're actually working there together um, I think it's a little bit of both you know it's okay to you know respect Gandhi's nonviolent methods of uh, protesting and everything else but when you're in a society where nonviolence, doesn't work because it just doesn't work. I mean, 
there's only so many things nonviolence can accomplish before you have to stand up and go, oh, no, 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 no. You're not laying another hand on me ever again. I'm fighting back now. It, it has to be uh, taken into account. There's got to be context. Um, it doesn't apply for every single situation. There's no one cure-all for these problems. And the reason for that is because humanity uh, is inherently violent. We live on a violent planet. There are so many things on this planet that are actively trying to kill us that we, who are part of you know first world nations, tend to forget about. You know, I have people I work with who are like, oh, they found polio in the wastewater of New York. Oh thought that thing was dead it's like dude that's not the message you should be getting across right now the message you should be getting is like oh crap it's back yep yeah you know, and 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 that, that's the message you should be taking from that notice not oh you know they found it no it's like no 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 do not take polio nonchalantly yeah or not unless you want to wind up or a family member or a friend wind up in an iron lung or monkeypox or any of the other things that are floating around right now. I'm not going to go too far into it. Uh, and for I'll those you, of you that are monkeypox and polio, polio scares the fuck out of me. Yeah. Monkeypox that that's, that's a painful thing to live with. Yeah. If it doesn't kill you. Yeah. Monkeypox bubonic plague is relatively simple to get rid of when it pops up. But yeah, that, that that's fair yeah, and it's persistent, but and, you got an attack vector. Yeah. And what I was going to say was, and, and the idea that um, we live on a violent planet overall. Uh, yeah. You only need to go to Sydney to find out about that. Yeah. But that's the thing, you know, uh, the, the violence of the planet has driven the evolution of every species, whether it's an insect, uh, an animal, um, a reptile, you know, um, human mammals. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Anything that's alive on this planet's been um, has adapted to some level of violence. We live on a very violent planet. We take away our technology, we take away our science and our medicine and everything else. We're going to see Mother Nature wreak revenge on the masses. Hell, take away the science of growing crops. You know, take away hydroponics, take away mass food creation. Just that alone would watch our population on our planet as a whole go boop, down the toilet. Yeah, that definitely be a problem. Yeah. So when it comes to dealing with people who are racist bastards or segregationists, uh, white supremacist, neo-Nazi little bastards and all that other shit, um... Or the religious right that goes, well, you know, if you're not thinking my way, you need to go. And uh, we don't care if that means we have to uh, string you up and hang you up in f by a tree uh, while we wear white sheets over our head or cut your head off uh, in the sand dunes or whatever. You know, until we get over this bullshit and start taking care of each other, it doesn't matter if you're for Malcolm or Martin Luther King Jr., you need to be for both, as the situation requires. Which hurts. At least that's my view on it, you know? Like, 
like the whole mentality of the um, where you had all these uh, politicians and school officials and everybody else going, oh no, we don't want trans kids in, in the bathrooms that they identify in because they're going to rape our whatever. It was like, well, first off, you're thinking of you know priests and and rabbis and shit, but you know, let's not go there. And Congress um, critters. And, yeah, exactly. So what did the kids do? They made buttons that said, I'll go with you. Right? They wore paper clips, you know, identifying that you're safe with me. I will go with you. You're okay. You know? I you know I'm here to help you protect you from the people who hate you because you're different. The kids did that. Because they recognize, you know, they recognize that this shit, this is unacceptable. Yeah, you know what? Hold on a second. I'm, I'm sorry, Joseph, go ahead. Yeah, there's a solution to that problem. Uh, unisex bathrooms or omnisex bathrooms or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, try selling that to a bunch of old white guys who are scared to talk about you oh, know, wait a second. their own kids. The, the birds and the bees, no. let alone a bathroom where anybody could go in. No, it's it's very simple. You just have a single occupancy restroom, just like you have in your house. You know? Yeah, but the schools aren't set up for that. They're set up for multi-stalled bathrooms. No, I know. I know. And with concert venues and stadiums. Yeah. I know. I know there it, it's not a perfect solution by any stretch of the imagination, but it's it, it, it's well the perfect solution is actually coffee, but I'm that's neither here nor there for the moment. Uh, what I was what I was going to say was that um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of latch on to part of what Tech was talking about a moment there. Just recently, as in like just this week in the news at, at the time that we are recording this, there was a plane. I'm not going to say a plane load because that, that intimates that it was a, a large commercial airliner that was filled. But uh, there was, there was an aircraft that had a collection of migrants. Otherwise, from what I've understood, undocumented migrant workers who were flown from now somebody help me out on this one because I'm trying to remember was it Texas or Florida they were flown from Texas but the planes came from Florida oh well imagine that no wonder I was getting screwed up and it was flying these people to Martha's Vineyard for those of you that are unfamiliar that would be going from one of the well a southern state actually the state most southern uh on the border with Mexico up to Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. It is Massachusetts, right? Yes. Why am I having a hard time with this one? Anyway, which is all the way up on the Northeast section of the United States, North America, a, an, a not insignificant distance. These people, were lied to, told that they were going to be going up north so that they could have jobs because there would be jobs waiting and available for them. And they were given 
bogus information as far as what to do for legality for being in the States and the whole thing. All right, whatever. So they go on the plane. They take the flight up to Martha's Vineyard, one of the nicest places to visit from what I've understood, never been there myself, but I mean, it's, it's near the ocean. So, I mean, how bad could it possibly be? I know the great God Murphy is just weeding over my shoulder right now, but, and these people arrived with laughable levels of information about where they were. And nobody knew nothing about what was going on, but the local people, once they found out what was going on, they welcomed these people in, helped them find somewhere to be, and to help them try to understand what happened, what's going to happen, and how they are not in trouble for what they did because it was stuff that was done to them. Sidebar... The governor of Texas is going to be under criminal and civil indictment in due course for effectively, what's the expression? Human trafficking. Yep. Also, additionally, um, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, if Got I it. said her name right. Nailed it. Well, um, she's been battling like Ted Cruz and Greg, Greg Abbott, because these two assholes were the guys who did all this shit uh, over Twitter. And she's just been like fucking crushing them. Like at one point, Greg Abbott talks about um, how uh, the, the day of the event, he said that two Texas buses of migrants arrived at the Naval Observatory in DC. Vice President Harris claims our border is secure and denies the crisis. So we're sending the migrants to her backyard to call on the Biden administration to do his job and secure the border. AOC responded with, and I'm, this is a hell of a burn. I remember how folks stepped up to help Texans when you left them cold and hungry during the freeze. We will welcome these families, too. They have so much to offer. You do seem to be struggling at your job, though. Maybe you should consider if this is the right work for you. And Glenn Kirshner says that they are technically um, guilty of kidnapping through embayment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then Ted Cruz on the 16th was saying the he, he was spending false news. He was saying that the rich liberal people, Martha's Vineyard, deported the illegal aliens within 24 hours. It's like, no, they didn't. Uh, uh, AOC was like, they were not deported. They were brought to shelter within the U.S. with no help from you. Why lie to and traffic Venezuelan refugees for votes? This is Nuestra Familia Latina. You should be standing up for them. If it's one thing we can count on you for, it's being una, uh, gunza. I can't say it. It's in the chat. We can put it in there. People can see it for themselves. I, I don't know what that word. You know what? Let me see here. Search, uh, translation of, I am getting advertisements when I want a translation. Google translate, my friend. Here we go. One of these days. I just want things to work right. I know it's hard. Oh, shame. Yeah, it's it's one thing that they can count on Ted Cruz as being bringing shame. Um, She's not wrong. AOC is not wrong. Um, 
she's feisty and uh but she's not wrong about it you know yep. the, the people of Martha's Vineyard they showed love and in a in a way that Florida and Texas just don't seem to know how to show at least the the rich people in charge of the money in Florida and Texas don't know how to show Yep. Let's let's be truthful here. There are plenty of people in Texas and Florida that do know how to show love and compassion and everything else. They're just overshadowed by the loud, angry, white, old people. Well, but add insult to injury on this. Um, some of these people were trying to seek asylum. And so they've got them set up to go to court for hearings in states that are very far away from Massachusetts, where they can't possibly get there for their court dates Monday. Yeah. As an example, uh, one of the notices that I remember hearing about was that uh, folks Martha Vineyard were supposed to have court dates from reminding you on the on the upper right hand corner of the North American continent. Don't worry about where exactly. In Washington State, which is literally draw a line from the right side coast to the left side coast. That's where they were. They had to go from sea to shining sea, according to the filings, because they were screwed over. And Stephanie is also reminding uh, there were two. One went to Chicago as well. And the mayor of Chicago went public objecting to the fact that these people were taken to. Okay. Now I've, I've got a question mark in my head and I'll explain in a second. We're taken to Grand Central Station and dumped. The reason why I've got this thing in my head is that reminding you, I grew up around New York City. So for me, Grand Central Station is where Madison Square Garden is. That's like the hub of the New York City, uh, mass transit authority. So when I hear or see Grand Central Station, I'm well, no, wait, Grand Central Station is 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 a different spot. Yeah, that was a different spot from Madison Square Garden. But still, anyway, um, Grand Central Station was the uh, the. Oh, my God, some people are going to remember this in the first Avengers movie. That was where the big Chitari uh, worm slug fell in in into the into the ground with uh, with Hulk and uh, Thor on top of it and spoilers Hulk sucker punches Thor at the end of that moment i cannot tell you how hard i laughed in the theater at that moment but be that as it may but um uh Stephanie's also saying you know, it could have been a different name. Uh, it, it was whatever whatever the name of the one was over there in Chicago. So you know what? They were dumped in Chicago. At that point, doesn't really much matter where. But um, yeah, you know, the thing the thing that kills me is that it may not be a perfect system, but people who come to the United States seeking asylum doesn't matter how they get to the border if they come to the border and they and they say i am here because i'm seeking asylum there is a process in place 
that brings the people in and gets them processed. There's none of this dicking around with shoving people around just because. And some of these asylum seekers were part of these migrant worker groups, too. So, you know. And, you know, we. We would like to believe or at the let me take that back. I would like to believe that there are far and away more people who would like to follow along the Charles Xavier's example of working together, finding common ground, peacefully finding a way for coexistence to happen properly. Then have to go to the, have to go to the mat every goddamn time and start fighting everybody tooth and nail for just the simple matter of let me exist. goddammit. it. So well, Joe Biden was not wrong about calling out MAGA. True. True. Yeah. You know what? The, uh, again, that was another one that was in the uh, in the news. This was the last week, 10 days, maybe tops. Go ahead and explain how that played out. Well, he gave a speech and it wasn't, you know, a policy speech per se. And he was, you know, speaking in Philadelphia, which is the site of, you know, where the Constitution was drawn up and called out, you know, the MAGA people and said that he could not work with them, that he could work with GOP people across the aisle, but not MAGA, because that's a whole different breed. And they were offended at being called out. Wait, wait, wait. The same people who said, fuck your feelings, were offended? Yeah, oh, because oh. he called them semi-fascists. It's and, still my beating heart. Yeah, and the person who coined the term and actually created the term Godwin's Law said that he was offended that they were called semi because they're full-on fascists. Thank you, Professor Godwin. Yeah, when the guy who coined the term Godwin's Law says that you're the bad guy... It's a pretty foregone conclusion. You're the bad guy. (laughs) Yeah, he had uh, said that the law was null and void during the Trump administration because, yeah, they're full on fascists. Yeah. See, that's the thing. For the longest time, a lot of this stuff, it was quiet. It was behind closed doors. It was kind of, you know, Hey, look, you you know, you don't really talk like that out in public. You know, you save that for behind closed doors, family, friends, kind of stuff. You don't go out and do it. And then all this shit hit the fan and suddenly everybody's like, I can flounce around town and and call black people the N-word and I can call Latinos the S-word and I can do this and that and the other thing because they're not white Americans. And my president says it's okay because he does it. So I'm going to go around and find a woman and grab her by the pussy. And I or, or tell naturalized citizens to go back to where they came from. Yeah, exactly. 
I love hearing the stories about people. Why don't you go back from where you came from? Uh, that would be the east side of Detroit. So sure. Yeah, I'll do that. And, and people just have a fucking conniption fit because <laughs> don't even know what the hell to say. Hey, you know what? I'm still waiting for them to tell Dr. Oz to go back where he came from. You know, I can't, you know, Dr. Mehmet, Mehmet Oz, you know, the guy from Mehmet Sengiz Oz, Yeah. you know, the Turkish guy, the one who was before a friction, uh, fricking, uh, political, uh, hearing congressional hearing. Because he was found to be a uh, fraudulently making medical claims to the American public on television. That's and the guy. doesn't actually live in Pennsylvania, but he bought a home in Pennsylvania and he visits it just enough that he qualifies to run for office in Pennsylvania. Mint amends. Yeah. So, you know. I'm surprised they haven't been calling out this guy from Turkey because, you know, they don't want, you know, some dual citizenship guy who's, you know, got a questionable birth certificate and all that other shit. Oh, oh, he's not black. Got it. Or or brown. Remember, you've got. Um, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's a pale bastard. So, you know, you know, because he's pale skinned, they 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 can't see past the gradient. Yeah. To let the racism loose on this guy. Or the fact that they're not scientifically literate because they refuse to actually accept the fact that, you know, science doesn't care about their feelings. Science is about facts and and just the facts. And because they don't like hearing facts, they like hearing feel good emotional shit. You know, they refuse to accept the fact that they've been lied to. By this guy and taken advantage of by this guy and more than just, you know, that just like guy. the religious leaders do to them yeah um stephanie's pointing I'm, out i'm sorry I, I have feelings about dr oz apparently no oh, uh, understandable uh stephanie was saying i thought oz was just staying with his mother-in-law you know i don't remember where uh where it is that his resident his place of residence takes him which is different from residency People understand that part. Um, so I, I, I can't speak to that. I just know that there's large question marks as far as to where he actually resides. But you know, be that as it may. Um, on, on his papers, he couldn't even spell the name of the town correctly. Yeah. You know, that's a that's a that's a that's a point right there that people, you know, just... you know, there, there's a really interesting fact that people tend to ignore and that is is when you have a politician who tends to oversee an area that he or she doesn't actually reside in doesn't live there doesn't uh, have any kind of true vested interest short of having a vacation home there and they visit just often enough to qualify to vote there you know um they tend to not make good decisions for the people that are there. They also don't tend to listen to the people that live in those areas because they're not they, the overall, they tend not to do it for the people, which is what the whole position supposed to be about. 
So you'd think that people would be like, oh, this guy doesn't, you know, he doesn't actually have our best interests at heart uh, because he's pulling the same stunt that all these other politicians do. And, uh, you know, maybe we should vote for somebody who's actually from our area who, who knows what it is that we want done, the changes that we want to make. You know, somebody who actually represents us. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Thinking is hard. We're only going to do what we're told. Yeah, that's much easier. And then um, if something goes wrong, I'll just blame the other guy for it because, you know, I was only doing what I was told. So obviously it was the right thing. You know, I just realized something. When I'm tired, I'm really freaking snarky. (laughs) You know, there's something that he said. Um, Joseph, I want to kind of pull on to you on this one. We've we've said you have specifically said that there is so much um, tribalism, us versus them, that ends up happening, and it it causes so many problems. But in the realm of representative government, that particular us versus them is kind of sidelined, I think, because wouldn't you rather have Shouldn't you rather have, I should say, someone who is part of the geographic group minimally, as opposed what to? What do you mean by? Well, the situation that we're talking about here with uh, with Mehmet Oz, he's running for political office in. Okay, remind me in Pennsylvania but supposedly legally resides in New Jersey. Yes. Okay, got it, got it right. Um, again, brain's been squishy tonight. I'm making sure that I got it right. So, representative, yeah, so- sorry, representative government should be by the people in that geographic area instead of oh, someone outside okay. of. I mean, you, you see yeah. where I'm going with this. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah, like if somebody um, had a UK passport, they wouldn't be eligible to run for office in France. Yeah, isn't it clear that uh, he's just, uh, oh, just like his television show? Is this the same Oz, the Dr. Oz, no? Who has the television show? The same. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the Muslim dude. Son of a bitch. What? Yeah. yeah, he he. But, by the way, he identifies. He recently stated that he uh, identifies as a secular Muslim. That's possible. It is possible, and, and you know what that means. Uh, he he says he's a practi- practitioner of transcendent transcendental meditation, and that his religious beliefs are influenced by Sufism, which is Islamic mysticism. So he's not quite secular. So it, it's really interesting that the people are like, oh, he's such a good Christian. It's like, no, he's not. Oh, he's such a good American. You know, he's from Turkey, right? Oh, he's, he's such a nice to please that He's trying to please everyone. Yep. And then just going, yep. he's, he's a gullibility hunter. The, the really funny part was is that uh, when it came to making m- medical um, claims – with regards to COVID, rather than using his font of scientific knowledge, because he really 
is a doctor. He's a cardiothoracic uh, surgeon. Um, he actually did study at good schools. You know, he doesn't have a bad education. What he said to the public was he deferred to his wife, who doesn't have that background, with regards to vaccinations and everything else. And she was opposed to all that shit. So it's like, if you're a doctor and you have a font of scientific knowledge and medical knowledge and you know what you're supposed to be doing and it's supposed to be acting upon, and they go, well, you know, I just do what my wife tells me to do, even though she's not qualified to make those decisions. You might have a problem. There is that. Um, I really just don't like this guy. Yeah, the... The reason why I was kind of trying to pull you in on this one is that, you know, there, we, we, we try to steer the idea that the tribalism problem is an, uh, is a long-term bad societally because it causes more problems than it solves. I'm, I'm, probably slightly overstating it just a little bit, but you know what? Just, just humor, humor an old man for a minute here. But for representative government, one would hope that people in a geographic area, if, yeah, if they reside in that, in that area, they would then have a vested interest and they should be the people to be part of that, representative sample i mean that that all sounds like it makes perfect sense so far yeah yeah well i'm just going to repeat myself that it's you know before the tribalism starts tribalism is a symptom i i no argument no argument uh the reason why i i wanted to kind of hook onto that is that we have seen both in real life and in, uh, again, bringing it back to the overall topic with, you know, the, the fictitious world of the X-Men comic books. Trust me, this all comes together. When there is legislation to be made, there are certain factions that will tend to vote emotionally first. But that changes once the focus of that legislation gets closer to their own home. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. In the, in the X-Men franchise, legislation for uh, mutant internment for lack of a better way, was something that was very much hotly contested and was being voted on until one legislator suddenly found out that their kid was a mutant. And suddenly, you know, that they start to change their tune as to how they want to go ahead and approach it now. Here in the real world, anti-LGBTQ real, uh, legislations were on the table up until 
one specific legislator found out that his granddaughter was part of that group. And suddenly, suddenly the tables change. I'm thinking of John McCain. It's amazing how quickly things change for stem cell research being opposed on religious grounds because it's fetal organ tissue that's being kept alive by whatever until Alzheimer's research could be benefited by stem cell research. And then suddenly they completely shift and they're completely behind it. Nancy Reagan. So, you know, when, when these people get close, when, when the, when the focus of the stuff gets closer and closer and closer in, it's amazing how much these opinions start to shift. You know what I mean? Because his analogs, we've seen them. Like I said, John McCain, we, and, and uh, Nancy Reagan, we specifically remember those. Yeah. We've also seen where, you know, they've had a member of the family at some point, uh, either immediate or removed, um, come out as LGBTQ plus or whatever. And, um, something that they disagree with. And so what do they do rather than talk to the person and their family about it? They disown them. Yep. Cause they're dicks. And they should eat a bag of them. Yes, but there's another piece of it, too. They're cowards. And I don't say that lightly. And I agree with you 110%. Because it's easier to simply disavow someone that, by the Scotsman fallacy, was obviously never someone who is in your family if they suddenly come out and said they were different, whatever whatever the classification might be. So then you just simply get rid of them because then, like I said, you don't have to deal with them. You don't have to acknowledge them. They were never part of your social circle. You just, forgive the expression, whitewash everything clean of them you try to what's the expression i want to go with how's that hand soap going for you, you know, in in here in besides in ever watch sliders yeah i i, I remember yeah. about it I, I i'm sorry by the way i was i was making a reference to um hamlet out out damn spot so just that was what I was going with. I'll, I'll be right back. Okay. Okay, so what about sliders? So in one of the episodes of this television series where these people are sliding through wormholes and coming across alternate realities of Earth, at one point, they come across an Earth where there's this movement uh, being caused by this politician and organization to purify uh, the United States 
and um, there's also a organization that is taking the people and literally performing surgery on them that turns them into basically slave labor. But the people treat them like robots because they look like robots, they behave like robots. You know, they're automatons. They don't have feelings and everything else. Not realizing that these are the people they knew, used to know and love. And so what they were doing is they were testing people genetically. And there was this one young man who was brought into the whole fervor of this movement. Yeah, I got to genetically purify the country, blah, 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 blah. And mother kept warning him away. Stay away from the people. They're bad people. This is not how, you know, the kind of people we should be. This is not something to aspire to, whatever. The kid didn't listen. He was he, he bought into the rhetoric hook, line, and sinker. So what happened when they genetically tested him? They found out that he didn't have a pure gene sequence. He had some foreign blood in him. Came from his mother's side. So they took his mother away and they started the process on her ass. Well, on her face, actually. Oh, yeah. And suddenly he, he was confused. You know, what's going on here? This can't be true. You know, there's got to be a mistake. Yeah, it's always a mistake when it happens to you. This shit, like I said, you know. Yeah, Professor X is the idealist. Martin Luther King Jr. idealist. Malcolm X, Magneto. That was the realist response to the violent aggression when being peaceful didn't work anymore. Damn. There's a middle ground between the two of them. And that's where I'm at. You know, I've, I have friends who are people of color, LGBTQ+, the whole nine yards. They know that if it comes down to it, I'm on their side. I will raise arms in defense of them. And if that means that the brotherhood of neo-Nazis with SS lightning bolts on their neck and everything else think I'm a traitor to the race and cause? <laughs> hey guys, let me tell you about my genetic background. <laughs> then you won't think so just because my skin is white. Or, oh, maybe the fact that I, I, I used to be a Jew That alone right there should just get them to go, oh, fuck it. Isn't it one of those things like, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine? Isn't it, you know, once a Jew, always a it, Jew? It, it depends on what you're looking at. There's, um, I used to be Jewish in faith. And then I was a born-again Christian. Mm. And then I woke up. Um. Now, j culturally speaking, the Jewish lineage falls on the mother's side of the family, and since my mother is a Jew, that makes me part, culturally speaking, of the Jewish community. I don't have to accept Judaism in my life. I don't have to believe in Judaism. So it depends on whether or not you get a very come across a very strict adherent, a fa fascist group, a white fascist group. Or whether you have one of the more, quote-unquote, you know, 
open ones. It was like, oh, you don't believe in that stuff anymore? Oh, okay, yeah, we'll accept you then. Um, I'm 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 just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say this, just because of the just because of the funny factor. Although there is another one that uh, I will I will talk with you off the air about af- afterwards. Um, you would numb the hell out of an entire pallet of bacon with me if we ever got the opportunity, right? Yeah, so would oh bacon. Uh, so would a lot of uh, reformed would eat it too. I know a Muslim who would too. But don't ask the Orthodox. To oh hell no! You'll you will be asked to take a seat, and then you will be engaged in a very long, one-sided conversation, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Most likely by a guy with curly hair wearing a yarmulke, and uh, <laughs> you know that old-timer mentality. <laughs> it, it's. It's not out. You don't want to be on the receiving end. You know, un- unless they st- unless they talked like Henny Youngman, in which case I would adore listening to that. I miss Henny, but that's me. I, I, w- I was working on the on the Jewish Sabbath, and I came across one who uh, an old timer who was on his way to a uh, temple, and boy, did I get a lecture on that. <laughs> So, uh, just uh, saying, man, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say somebody has got to do it, man. What do you, what the hell do you want? Anyway, the problem that we've got though, with there is a middle of the road between the two ideologies is that it's predicated on the idea that there would be good faith actors to listen and to enact. And if there's anything that we've seen over the, well, never mind the the length of time that uh, the X-Men's been around. I mean, going back easily (laughs) since abolition, for crying out loud, easily, there have been good faith actors and unfortunately bad faith actors that have put into place methodologies that are simply sometimes they're they're just not even recognized for what they are and for anybody that's kind of wondering yes I am specifically sideways mentioning that Critical race theory is something that could actually help people to understand what the good faith and bad faith actors have been for 150 years. And it's still going on till this day. Yeah, I love when people say, oh, critical race theory is going to be the, the death of uh, the American culture, blah, 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 blah. And then I ask them, okay, well, in your own words, what is critical race theory? And they can't answer it. They're, well, it's bad. And it's like, so what you're saying is you don't understand. You just heard about it, and you're just going to repeat that other people think it's bad, but you're not going to dive into it to form your own opinion. 
because you refuse to think for yourself like the fucking idiot you are. That's not the only one where it's happened. Bridget, you know about this one. People going into the school board meetings, we want to have this book banned from the school library. And what does the board say? Burn it. And what do the smart school boards say? What is wrong with this book? And more appropriately, have you actually read that book? Read the book? And what part of it do you object to? Oh, I've never read it. Yep. Are words actually, you're just so scared of words. You, you're, you're afraid yes. that they're going to contaminate Yes, they are you scared of words. In your head. Yep. Yeah. Exactly well, right. Like, that describes the mindset. Yeah, exactly right. Somebody pointed out, if you can't point out what the problem is with the book, your problem isn't with the book. It's with kids learning stuff that you don't know stuff about. Which sounds to me like um, you need to get educated on stuff. Oh, or, you know, um, no, that's about the only way to fix this. You know, the... the we see a pattern in the United States of America's education system. If you have a child and you've traveled to different states and been in different school systems. And so one of the things is, is if you take your child and you have them get educated in a school system in one of the northern states, New York, Pennsylvania, Maine, those kinds of places, right? Okay. And then you take them after a couple years there down to, oh, say all the way down to Florida, Texas. You'll find that there's a great gap there. And the gap can be as wide as something like, no exaggeration, um, eighth grade math in New York, Pennsylvania, those areas where they have additional testing that has to be required at the end of the year in high school for passing. So you actually have to not only memorize material, but learn to apply it. The regular classes up north are AP classes down south. And th this is not like a one-off. This is actually common. That they're that far behind. And you go, oh, well, because they're hotter, you know, locations, so they have to take more. T no, no, no. Actually, that that's that's false. That's that's right there. That's fake news. No, it's they're actually behind. They also don't have that kind of testing. It's just memorize some numbers, put it on a, on a piece of paper and you're done. So you don't actually have to learn to apply yourself. To, in some courses you do, but there, there's quite a lot of this mentality of, you know, regurgitate and you're done. It's scary for somebody like me who values an intelligent person over a dumb person in this country. Do dumb people have abilities? Do they, uh, are, are they able to be you know, productive citizens of society? Sure. But they're less likely to be 
than a smart person is. They're also well, less likely to make informed decisions, not only for their own life, but for the people surrounding them. And they're given the opportunity to make decisions for people surrounding them. Joseph, go ahead. Yeah, it's not, you know, dumb and smart. Um, for me, it's more a question of the ability to think autonomously. Because, I mean, there's dumb and smart in the autonomous camp and the uh, and the survive by imitation camp. So it's just basically if you're what you call an informed decision, um, is your decision informed by your own means or is it just simply the pale imitation of somebody else's opinion? And that's part of the reason... That, for me, that makes... No, that, makes, that makes all the difference. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say is that that's what makes it really difficult for me. Here in the United States, for those of you that aren't really that familiar with it, here in the United States, and we've talked about this before, there is no national standards for education. Primary and secondary educations. So up until, up until roughly 18 years of age, which is when public education currently ends free uh, before anyone goes to uh, college or universities. There's no, there's no standardized system. It's left up to not just the individual 50 states and additional territories. It's not just each individual county of each of the 50 states plus extended territories, it's left up to the individual geographic areas that each school district services. And that's usually down to the town level or the hamlet level, as the case may be. Uh, give you an example uh, for what I'm talking about in this case as to how weird this can get. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and give you information that, you know, I've, I've kind of talked about before, but, you know, some people might worry about it. I'm not worried about it. Where I grew up on Long Island, which is um, the part of New York State that extends out from New York City. Geographically, that would contain Brooklyn, Queens, Nassau County, and where I lived, Suffolk County, which is the easternmost section. It's a sar it's the part of uh, New York that looks like it's a fish. Literally, that's you look at it, it looks like it's a fish. Where I grew up was still considered part of the suburbs of New York City. And considering, rightly so. I grew up in what was called the Township of Babylon. And that comprised several different hamlets. Not towns, but hamlets. Although there was also the town of Babylon, the section where I grew up, which was West Babylon, which was rather, rather suburby. North Babylon. Um, let's see how well I remember. Lindenhurst, Copeg, Wandanch. And I'm trying to remember if Deer Park was part of that also. But those were considered hamlets. Now, when most people call uh, think of the term hamlet, it's usually a much more 
rural area. It's, it's out in the boonies. You know, it's the outskirts of a village. Technically, it kind of qualified the same way. But I went to school in the West Babylon school district. But then there was also the North Babylon school district that had the North Babylon, Deer Park kind of area. The town of Babylon had its own school district. And reminding you that a lot of people, you know, um, if you go by what people generally think of as Long Island, which is Dasson, Suffolk, if I remember right, something on the order of, I believe it's uh, five million, somewhere between three and five million people, if I remember right, in those in those two counties. And the school districts are just dotted wherever. And they get their information from the state capital as far as to what, you know, what the standards are supposed to be. But how you get there is pretty well up to each of the individual school districts. So there's no uniformity of any kind trying to figure out, you know, who should learn at what at what grade level do you learn algebra? You know, at, at what age do you start memorizing pi to seven digits? Which I did in high school because it's what I did in high school. And then there, there are other countries where there is a nationalized education system. Uh, Japan specifically comes to mind for me. Um, actually come to think of it, I think, I think I asked you before, uh, to the best of your knowledge, uh, Joe, um, do you remember off the top of your head if it's uh, a nationalized education in France? I don't recall one way or the other. Yeah, it is for the most part, but there are private schools. Well, yes, but what I meant is specifically for public. That's that's nationalized and has like a, a standardized system for it, eh? That's something that pisses me off and, and has pissed me off for a very, very, very long time. It is so hodgepodge here. You, 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 you want central, uh, uh, you know, a consistent education across the board. But the politicians know if they do that, then they can't use as many tricks to screw over the American public and retain their power. More importantly, like... It's never going to happen because they, they're not willing to have, you know, health care for crying out loud. Which we could. You know, you start giving them, you know, a consistent education and suddenly they're going to want health care, too. You know, you can't have that. And to be able to see not through the bullshit. Exactly. Divide and conquer. Yeah. And, and the sad part of it is, there are so many people who, who would think that, oh, God damn it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to keep these ideas together, but like I said, brain is squishy tonight. Um, there is a concept. Uh, I, I forget exactly what it's called, but there is, there is a concept that 
you should teach up. I'm probably not saying it the right way, but the idea is don't teach at the level that the kids are at because that that promotes stagnation. Teach just a little bit above. Keep them keep them being interested. Keep them being just just ready to grab that last rung. And yes, some people can can make the argument of, well, you're you're just you know, you're you're just beating and switching the finish line. Kinda, yeah, but it's kind of uh, it's kind of a necessary evil. You have to keep reaching further. You need to push forward. You know, where where education is concerned, you need to be able to adjust and learn and adapt and apply. And I really wonder because I have no I have no data on this one, but I really wonder if that is simply just not done in so many of these, and I'm gonna say it, Bible belt areas. Because the stereotype is the Bible belt areas are the ones where generally speaking lexadaisical education is the norm instead of the exception. There was, uh, let me just give you this one really quickly because I I love the story. There, there was, um, my, uh, in college, my music conducting teacher who believe it or not, there is a lot to learn about how to use, um, a baton and how to hold your hand, how much, how much actually goes into learning how to do conducting. Cause it is actually a really, a really technical and physical activity. But he, he, he visited one of his old students who is now at a, uh, a middle school, I think. And he went to see the performance for, uh, the class, and I don't remember what the piece of music was, but he's watching. He's watching his his student from the back because you know conductor's facing the uh, the orchestra, and his hands are very in close. His arms are very in close to his body, and you don't see the usual you know free flowing arms and whatnot. And it's a really complicated piece of music that these kids are playing. That's like. You know, how the hell did you, how, how the hell do you get these kids to play a piece like this? That's great. And he went and he actually asked him that afterwards. And he's just like, you didn't see what I'm doing as I'm conducting this piece. I always told these kids it was a piece that they could do. I encouraged them. I never, ever said it was above their place. And instead of conducting as normal, I was just keeping my hands in close and yeah, sometimes I was giving them the beat to keep things going, but most of the time I was pointing, wiggling, pointing, wiggling to make sure everybody knew where they were coming in, where, what they were supposed to be doing at every point. He taught up. And in music, knowing full well that you're dealing with kids who are still learning how, to, how locomotion, fine locomotion works, for their extremities and their phalanges. Yeah, I'm going to use that word again. Um, It is amazing what kids can learn to do 
if they're not told they can't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really amazing. And I don't think there is nearly enough of that. Yeah. Like, well, kids learn equally, to love... Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I find that it's equally as annoying uh, as people who say, oh, we can't ever know this, or we can't ever know that. I mean, just like, you know, show the kids the horizon, and uh, they'll find their own way. I mean, the choices are endless. Especially with today's technology. Yeah, like when they we tell kids, to be oh, you shouldn't our- love that kid over there as much as you, you know, love your friends because that kid's different. Oh, that's just, that's something else. Yeah. No, that goes it, along yeah. with the whole well, thing. It, 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 well, yeah, it's part Because of that's it, exactly what they do. They don't just say, oh, you shouldn't trust science because religion's better. They also say, well, you shouldn't trust that kid over there because they identify as a different gender and that's, that's different. So therefore, they're, ooh, they're, they're going to hell. Don't go near them. You know, just like don't trust the scientist in the classroom who's trying to teach you about, you know, DNA or evolution or any of those things that we've, you know, already proven to actually be tr- fact. You know, it goes along well, in that same thing. You can translate all of that for just don't go outside of the guidelines I set for you. Yeah. Or just, you know... um Don't think for yourself. Well, that's it. Because to somebody who doesn't think for themselves, everything outside of their... what they call worldview, but I call that uh, limited uh, education bubble. Um, yeah, it's just danger, bad. And that's the emotional reaction to it. And the worst part is, is it impedes else. other kids that do want to learn. When they get to the college level, and then they start having those classes that they have to take, and are disrupting the classes because the class disagrees with their religious beliefs. Meanwhile, the other kids who are there and are paying attention now have to sit and listen to this religious idiot spout off nonsense about some bullshit that they believe while they're there to actually learn about the class. And so the class gets derailed. I've actually seen this. Yeah, well, I think I think Shijin's point was more instead of discouraging kids from learning, push them a little bit, but not so much that they get overwhelmed and intimidated to where they say that they can't. Well, you don't no, have to that. push them or not. Just just open the door. Just to, because basically education, it's it's. But I, I think a child other, it's it's showing kids other possibilities you know because uh, when a kid goes into a class they have a certain education level level of experience and all that and a level of awareness you know and basically you you're just showing the kid a menu and um that's about it i mean i mean we're just uh, the the whole point of education is to equip our younger ones with the tools they need to survive agreed unfortunately there's a lot of religious leaders out there and politicians and you know parents that say you're wrong and sadly they're in positions of authority and power and they're so disruptive we can't get shit done 
in this country. We're quite aware of this, but yeah. yeah. We're the laughing stock right now. Well, I think the most well, damaging thing you can tell a child is you can't do this, it's too hard. Yeah. That's, I mean, most uh, kids start that's, out as like natural sci- scientists. There's also you shouldn't you can't do this because you'll go to hell and you'll be tormented for all eternity and tortured and burned and punished in pain. Hold, hold let's forget. Hold on. Oh, there is a reason why we started this program too. Hold on, Joseph, go ahead. Yeah, well, when I was told you can't uh, when I was a kid, that was that was challenge. It's like challenge accepted. <laughs> I mean, but that's yeah, the whole thing. It. There, there's a. It's funny how different the world looks to somebody who thinks for themselves and somebody who doesn't. Because I mean, somebody who thinks for themselves, um, once they're able to uh, evaluate their environment, and you know, adapt their brain functions to it, um, they're going to be quite aware of what tools are available to them, you know, and what tools they need in order to do a certain task. I mean, there's a, there's a whole procedure there. Like, it's like, uh, uh, making a plan of attack before, you know, uh, trying something new. Uh, but, um, to somebody who depends on others to tell them how to live and all that and what's safe and what's not, um, yeah, the world's a different place. It must be a place full of fear. It's a virus. Religion is a cult and a virus. Yeah. Creates non-thinkers. It it destroys societies. Well, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's a... Yeah. It's it's an open door to fascism. I mean, as long as everything's going fine, and everybody's fed and everything, and... uh, you know, the, the working masses aren't too exploited and uh, they're able to have a, they feel rewarded by their home and their family and all that. However, everything's fine. But in times like, in times like today where um, the, the leading classes have exploited technology to increase their profit margins. Well, people, yeah, we're in hard times. Um, most people have difficulty uh, having a, a roof over their heads and feeding their families and all that. But the irony is that uh, thanks to our technology, we should be working less. It should be less difficult. I mean, there's 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 no justification for uh, housing prices and. Uh, Medical Reed. prices and all that. Reed. Yeah, well, that it's it's that. Reed. It all comes down to that. Yeah, yeah, it is. So and, and question authority. I mean, we need that now. And I've been getting back into punk lately because I mean, you know what? What is punk? That kind of uh, shoot, Um ZZ Top is not punk. Um, <laughs> Don't look at me, man. I I I copied and pasted how they were described. Yeah, that's the first thing I take off when I the the genre. Anyways, but I mean, punk is basically, um, it's both a fuck you, but most importantly is uh, it's a I don't need you. That's the most important part of punk. Is this what I'm doing? Yeah, I'll give a fuck what you think. 
you know, take with it, take it or leave it. I don't need you. And, um, yeah, I don't want to stop there because I mean, uh, we do need each other in order to survive. I mean, you know, living together. But as long as we have an understanding of what those around us do <laughs> and our exchanges with them and we're uh, ava- available to, that we're, we're able to evaluate our exchanges and communication with the people around us for ourselves. Yeah, that, that's fine. Everything's going to go well. But as long as if we're not able to think outside of our own sphere, um, the world becomes a place where, well, you just take everything you can get without any thought to anybody else. So basically, punks, I don't need you. It's basically, it's, uh, that's directed towards the, uh, uh, those who Bourgeois would decide for us. Well, those who would decide for us what's good or bad for us. Which oh, it's in like the, end the 10 or 12 billionaires that control the majority of the wealth in the world. Yeah, that's it, yeah. I would think of it more in the terms of the uh, uh, the complacent establishment. But... Complacent? No, we're the complacent ones. No, no, no. The, that that punk is is uh, actively making a uh, actively making uh, a statement of non acceptance to the complacent establishment. See, complacent establishment. Yeah, the ones complacent. who are just the. the the ones who have been in positions of authority. And at that point, it's just, I got mine. We're good here, right here. Nothing else to be done. Versus everybody well, else. that's just like, guys, um, shit to be done yet. Well, complacency is basically letting laissez faire. Yeah. But I would say that uh, today's authority and leading corporate leaders and all that, they depend on our complacency. It's funny because with the punk movement, um, like in the 1990s, uh, I was hanging out with people, you know, who lived in squats. And it's funny how strong the punk movement was in people who did that like that. Because basically, you know, they not only say, it, it, it's more than just an attitude. It's not just saying, fuck you to the establishment. Well, they, they just, um, they reject the establishment and they depend on their immediate community. And it's amazing, you know, how generous and helpful people living in that kind of environment were. I mean, communal dinners and things like that. Something to think about. So these are people, but but again, it's like a super minority people who would uh, live like that. And I mean, the fact that they have to live in a squat, I mean, um, in normal circumstances, that wouldn't be the case. Because, you know, once you reject authority... Uh, you know, your, your boss that's going to uh, make like a 20% profit off of all the work you do and all that. Um, 
you there's no other choice really you either are going to business for yourself which wasn't really possible in the 1990s now it is but um there was just no other choice so the fact that they're living in a squat but it's it's basically um if i can bring back that back to um, you know somebody who's aware of their environment they're they're aware of their local environment they're no longer they they deal with their 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 immediate uh, surroundings like the people around them um for yeah for survival and i mean that's how it should be for everyone instead of you know people more aware of their their environment instead of just uh, blindly looking to the top of the stack to look for orders and guidance is that i'm sorry if that wasn't clear no it's okay and if i had a choice like people people like us and like in in this show and many other podcasts uh if if we could all get together and kind of in an Anne Rindian way make our own country where people discuss among themselves things before making decisions like a true democratic society because with all the sectarianism and all the uh, clan-mindedness and all that um we're not living in a democracy we're living in uh winner takes all really society i get you uh we are for the most part i just realized we're pretty well out of time um anybody have anything left to uh for the table before i go ahead and just close out for us well i was just going to make a point that this is not original to me it came from neil degrasse tyson that most kids are natural born scientists. I mean, the first thing that you do when you're a baby is stick things in your mouth to find out about them. But somewhere along the way, that is, you know, beaten out of kids or, you know, they're browbeat not to do it anymore. And so it kills off the love of science. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that quote too. I, I remember having seen him say that one on air. I, I, some talk show or other but man yeah yeah uh tech anything that you've got left over at this point or you, know, you? It, it... i'm just really bugged by the fact that so much is being done to create all this FUD, this fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And people are like, oh, I'm upset with being afraid. You know, I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't. Well, why aren't you cutting out these politicians that all they're doing is making you afraid all the time? Huh? Stand up for yourself. You know, these priests, these rabbis, these imams, the, these Republicans, these Democrats, these independents, whoever it is that's creating all this fear and all this uncertainty and all this doubt in your life, 
cut them out. Vote them out. Because it's not the immigrants that are taking your jobs. It's the companies that don't want to pay living wages that are looking for the cheapest labor possible that are making certain jobs harder to get. Right? It's not that people don't want to work. It's they don't want to work for slave labor wages. You know, when you have to strike just so that you can get some time off because your kid is born. There's a problem with the company that you're working for. And, you know, if you really want to know about that one, look into the railway strike. Because rich people making hundreds of millions of dollars and even billions of dollars decided that, you know, that guy who runs the car, or that gal who's running the car, isn't that important. You know, who cares if they see their kid or not? I need my millions. I need my billions. That's what the fight that's going on right now. We should have time to ourselves to be able to walk out of our house and go pick up a leaf that's fallen out of a tree because it's, you know, autumn. You know, we've, we've got the leaves falling. It's fall. You know, maybe go knock on the neighbor's door, see how they're doing. Have a conversation. We should have these kinds of times to ourselves. Like Joseph said, with all the automation and all the advancement in technology that we have, we should be getting paid and doing less. And reaping as a whole, not one person, not one percent, but a hundred percent of us should all be reaping the benefits of that. And it can happen if it's done fairly. Oh, but fair is socialism and we don't want socialism. No, 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 you misunderstand. Okay? When you ask those people at the railway or the, or the teachers or the nurses who are on strike... They don't want to quit their jobs. They just want what they've worked for. And for a good 60 years, it's been quietly and slowly been taken away from them. And the rest. And now they're pissed off and they've had enough. Because united we bargain and divided we beg. If you remember nothing else, remember that phrase. It, it's just, what's so difficult to understand? I've said this before, I know. But what's so difficult to understand? That profit is taking more than what you put in. And I mean, yeah, okay, uh, maybe 10% is permissible. But, you know, when you depend on a largely unemployed and underpaid populace to fulfill your like 300% profit margin. How is that going to work? And for how long? Yeah, and we're starting to see that really coming to roost now. I'm going to close off with this. I had I had so many different things that were running through my head as far as to what I could close with. And, and believe it or not, literally on just the moment, I got this. It doesn't matter where you get your morals from if the morals are good. And that is something that is 
difficult to try to understand what is the right barometer for. Some people have a different barometer than others. We know this. We've seen this in action. And it's part of the reason why so many more people are getting politically active here in the United States, which as an aside, great, but God damn it. These people should have been active long ago. Science fiction is a way for us to examine what's going on in the here and now without recognizing it at first directly. Star Trek has shown us, comic books have shown us, movies have shown us. And as somebody pointed out on some social media thread, you show us when we're kids stories of people, individuals going up against the big evil meanie and taking them down and showing that it's possible. And then you get upset when we rail and go up against the big evil now, knowing that we can win. You shouldn't be upset. You should be happy that we're actually trying to do the right thing. I'm very happy to see that there are some that are really, really trying out really hard to do the right thing. So with that, I'm just going to go ahead and call it a night. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you being with us. We hope that you found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives. You got something to think about for the week ahead. As usual, Stephanie, thank you. Glad you were able to make it. I'm glad that you're feeling better, too. So you, you know, you take care of yourself. Um, be looking forward to seeing you next week. And, uh, yeah, we, we know full well that, um, the funeral is going to be happening, uh, this week, Monday, if I remember correctly. And we will kind of keep an ear to what's going on out there. I'm not expecting anything bad to be happening, but at the same time, when, Big events happen. There's always the possibility of somebody deciding that they're going to co-opt it for their fringe ideals and try to make a spectacle for themselves. So be that as it may. Um, Joseph, glad you're able to make it. Welcome home. And uh, you take care of yourself this week, eh? Uh, you too, sir. And tech, kind of the same way, man. Glad you're able to make it. You, you made it to the end of the show. Holy shit. Good job on you, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, by the way, the uh, the best Pokemon is the Bubasaur. I have. That's my tired brain hard at work, by the way. That's perfectly fine. I've, I've never been one for Pokemon, so it's okay. But congratulations. You'll be able to get out of here shortly after I tell you what I didn't tell you earlier, and you can get yourself some sleep. But you have a good week, huh? Okay, you guys. Bridget. Wow. Um, you know, ever since we started giving you the opportunity of effing somebody off, wow. Mm -hmm. um, just 
there is never a lack of targets. Just <laughs> wow. I'm going to take one off the table for you and just say, uh, Matt Gates, fuck you. You yeah. go ahead and you ask for, uh, you, 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 through whatever channel you ask for a political, you, you ask for an executive pardon for whatever, which Child would be. trafficking. Yeah, that's a tacit admission of guilt. That's not just me saying that. That's the Supreme Court. So. So why is he still sitting on the investigative committee? Is that not a conflict of interest? Just very much so. So I'm taking that guy off of the table for you, so you're going to have to pick somebody else. I'm going to go with the governors of Florida and Texas. Ooh, two for, for seven-tenths split yeah, two, right there. For what you did to those people. And they are people. They're not aliens. They're people. Fuck you. I think that's a fair one. I think that's a fair one. So, everybody, have yourselves a good week, and we'll be back to talk with you again next week. If you'd like to be in touch with us, all contact information is over at holycrapthevlogcast.com, as well as the link for downloading the audio version of the podcast. And if you'd like to leave a voicemail message, we do still have a phone number, which is still free at this point. Thank you, Bombie Daddy Google. 859-HCTV-554, 859-4288-554. I think think what I'm going to do is, um, in order to keep the in order to keep the account active, I'm going to start using it to leave voicemail messages to, you know, some of these guys uh, that we follow on YouTube for updates on news and whatnot, because they keep saying, hey, call me, leave me a voicemail message. I should probably do that sometimes. <laughs> Just keep things yeah. working. But otherwise, please be safe. Please stay healthy. And for those of you that have not yet contracted the virus congratulations you're becoming more and more the minority and that includes my son and myself me too please stay safe so we will see you next week so until that time of course as always i wish you all the peace i no longer have i wish you the strength that i've learned i wish you well my lady too damn many years on and I am still in love. Matane Fuji. I love you. I miss you. Dream of me. And until the next time we get together, everyone, as always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment at the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. Theme music is Twisted by Kevin McLeod, available at incompetech.com. And on behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.